Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Uh, the book of Corinthians chapter 13. And 1 Corinthians 13, we talked about love. I actually uh, did a whole, whole series. And if you missed that over the last couple of uh, weeks, I encourage you to jump on Spotify. You can go through that whole series. We spent time walking through 1 Corinthians 13 and and uh, I wrapped it up talking about what love is. And really, if we look at that out of 1 Corinthians 13, it is strongly opposed to the picture of love we see in modern day understanding. And it's such a powerful thing, a profound thing. But Paul writes to the Corinthian church talking about love, talking about what it is, talking about what it isn't. And he wraps up that, that whole, uh, the whole picture by making a statement. And can I read for you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. He says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, all the wives in the room are nudging their husband and saying, listen, child, he's preaching to you this morning. But can I just be really clear? When Paul's writing this, he's speaking to us all. He's speaking to husbands, he's speaking to wives, he's speaking to young men in the room that's never been married and looking to be married in the future. He's speaking to the young women in the room. He's speaking to all of us around this concept of love. And he's saying simply this, he's saying, listen, when we started off our journey, we started off our journey wrong. We started off our thinking wrong. We started off our believing wrong. And I, I think this has never been truer than in modern day understanding of love. He's saying, listen, our thinking is wrong. And your thinking needs to change. He says, when you're a child, you thought as a child. Now, when I was a child, I had some wrong thinking, some stupid thinking, some belief systems around the world that we live in that had to change as I become an adult. And none of them were, were probably greater than the fact of when I become married, I had to change my thinking. I remember getting married. And I remember thinking that Wendy was going to be exactly the same as my mother. Now, listen, I'm not in any way putting Wendy down about this. I'm just saying Wendy and my mum are incredibly different. And their thinking around life and marriage and relational world is different. I grew up with a mother that did absolutely everything for me. Uh, I never asked my mum to take a dish away. I never asked my mum to cook a meal. My mum would just cook a meal. I'd get home from work. That meal would be there. I would eat it. I'd get home from school as a younger person person and that meal would be there I would take that meal and I'd go and sit in the lounge room I'd eat that meal in front of the television or eat it at the table wherever I ate it that plate would miraculously disappear from wherever I ate it and left it it would turn up in the sink it would be washed by itself and put away I never remember as a child doing any of those things my mum just did it all for me I never ever washed clothes until I got married my mum did it all. In fact, I thought the genie did it because I would get home, I'd take off my work clothes as a roof tiler, left the dirty work clothes on the floor of the bathroom. And five minutes later, when I go back, get changed, I come back to the bathroom and those clothes were already gone. And already miraculously made their way to the washing machine and started washing themselves. And I got married and thought Wendy would do the same. When I was a child, I thought as a child. 
But when I become a man, I had to put away some childish things. Listen, I, I don't want to say that Wendy's wrong or my mum's wrong or anybody's wrong. That's just how we did family prior to getting married. That's just the way that my mum, dad, am I correct? The way that my mum just did family for us. And I got married to a woman that had lived out of home for a long period of time and was raised to wash her own clothes, to wash her own dishes and to look after her own self within her family home and lived out of home and had to do it for herself. I never did. I never did any of those things until the day I left home because I got married and moved in with this woman. No longer the wife, this woman now. <laughs> this wonderful wife of mine. I'm just going to move forward so, so I can't see her face. Apart to start with. <laughs> now, listen, I entered marriage and I had to put away some childish things. I had to change some of my thinking in the way that we, that we work together. Now, I love uh, what uh, Ephesians chapter 5 picks up on, a statement that's been made many times. In verse 31, Paul writes this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. Now, th there's so much conversation around this, the, the conversation of how two people become one, and two people become one in their thinking. As I said recently, Wendy and I celebrated 26 years of marriage. And... Uh, I made the statement that I wish I could say we, we celebrate 26 years of happy marriage, but you can understand those first couple of years of marriage with my thinking system, it probably wasn't going to be happy. Uh, it was going to be challenging, frustrating, and we had to learn how to become one, how to build a oneness together in our lives. And today, we want to just talk through the, the reality of, of coming to marriage for both of us, not just for Tim. Listen, I've already been really honest about some of mine, and I'll be honest about some more of my thinking as we talk this through, coming to marriage with childish thinking that had to become a man, had to become a woman, had to put away some of that so that we could become one. Uh, I've talked to lots of couples in this room about what God's idea for marriage. Listen, oneness isn't the act of sexual intimacy. That's, that's a, a part of the picture. The oneness that, that Paul talks about here and the Bible talks about isn't just that action of, of that intimacy that comes together there physically. It is a oneness of heart, a oneness of thinking, a oneness of believing, a oneness of understanding our lives and our moving forward together. And I've said this to many couples, the goal of marriage is this molding together, this molding together of thinking, molding together of believing. And I hope Wendy and I can do our absolute best of talking about uh, this oneness, talking about not being children, and uh, even though I think at times we fought like children in those first couple of years, correct me or if I'm wrong, we definitely did. And uh, I want to actually focus on four specific childish thoughts. Uh, listen, if you are married in this room, you would most likely have had one of these four and brought them into your marriage. If you are not married in this room, you probably already have all four of these and you're going to take them into a marriage into the future. And I pray today can help you to shift some of your thinking and shift some of your believing so that you can put down some of these childish thoughts and your future marriage isn't just a butting of heads from day one. Uh, can I have an amen from somebody in the room? I, I want to focus on these four childish thoughts that, I, again, I think uh, across the board many of us probably bring into marriage. Number one childish thought, uh, that when we get married, I am going to win this fight. 
when I got married, listen, Wendy and I are both very competitive people. Uh, I got married with a thought pattern that... You were always right. That I'm going to be right. Listen, I got married with a thought pattern that, A, I'm right, what I think is right, what I believe is right, and Wendy needs to, first of all, know what I think and believe. Secondly, she needs to think and believe the same as me, and I need to help her get there, thirdly. Can you see how that would have worked out? Uh, Listen, Paul writes, he says, if we're going to love well, we're going to put away some childish thoughts, some childish belief systems. The, the thought of I'm going to win this fight is, is always uh, a challenge. And, and let me just be really clear for every man in the room. If you're not married or if you are married, winning a fight means you lose. I want to say that from the beginning. If you win a fight, you'll, if your aim is to win the fight, the outcome is whether your wife now has changed her mind, whether your wife agrees with you or not, you've lost. You're because, still on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Because you've lost her heart straight away. You've lost oneness straight away. You've lost the way to, to actually uh, mold together. And, and listen, uh, Wendy no doubt has some thinkings around this as well. And probably for, for her as a competitive person that also believes that she's right quite often, and is probably more stubborn even than I am, if we want to be honest about that. This is probably a challenge for you as well. I've dreamt so long of being up here with a microphone to correct some of the stories that you tell. So uh, never worry about the truth getting in the way of a good story. So, uh, but it's true when it comes preacher's to... Preacher's license. <laughs> preacher's license. But when it comes to winning the fight, thought... The childish way of approaching this is definitely that just knowing that the devil doesn't want marriages to succeed. He doesn't want relationships to succeed. He designed us to be connected in community for a start, friendship and encouragement, but then moving on to relationships and marriage. And his whole goal is to pull it apart, to absolutely destroy it, not just give us a hard time and a hard day. So the devil says that, his whole, his whole goal is to make us fight between flesh and blood. But we know the scripture says we don't fight flesh and blood. We fight the principalities and powers. And so as we realize when we're having an issue in relationship with friends or an issue in relationships with marriage, know what is spurring us on to do that. Recognize that the spirit realm does not want us to win or succeed and will keep speaking in our ear and pushing us in the direction of fighting. But when we stand together and realize, you know what, you're not my enemy. Let's stand together in agreement that the spirit of fear, the spirit of strife, the spirits that are, not to over-spiritualize it, but we are three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. So just to be aware of all of that. And know that when we stand together, we break the power and the lie of the enemy that wants to rip us off. And then we will put away the childish things. We will stand together in maturity and grow and be fruitful together. But our lives will then overflow into those around us. And isn't that what we want to do and be as Christians? That that fighting, listen, there there is conflict that will happen in relationships. That that is a thing. There, There always will be conflict, especially when you have strong people in a relationship. Unless you're just completely compliant and you're just happy to do what everyone else tells you to do, you will have conflict. And, 
and learning how to have conflict well is really important part of that. And it's something Wendy and I had to learn our way through. And, and Wendy just said it so well. The, the first part of having conflict well is the remembrance that she is never my enemy. And if you're taking notes today, if you're a young person and want to take notes, you, you take this down as a note. Your, your future husband or wife is never your enemy. Yeah. They never will. The enemy is clear. Wendy said that so well. The enemy is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and whose marriage he may devour because yeah. he hates marriage. He wants to destroy marriage. So he comes to do that, to rip it off. Now, you will go through conflict and the first step to do it is know that she's not my enemy. He's not my enemy. The person around that I'm married to is never my enemy. Yes, there definitely is an enemy. And yes, we will have conflict. We will go through conflict. We will go through times when we disagree. And conflict can really raise its head when communication didn't happen early enough. Yeah, wow. That's it, really. Mic drop right there. No need to say more if it's... <laughs> Number one, you, you're going to have conflict. Make sure that's not your enemy. Make sure you communicate well. Children communicate poorly. Adults communicate well. Unfortunately, we have a generation of children. They're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. We have children all around us that communicate poorly. Learn how to communicate well. Learn how to communicate well in your marriage. Learn how to communicate well with your siblings. Learn how to communicate well in your work environment. Learn how to communicate well as a business person in the room. Communication is a really important tool to learn through because you always will have conflict around us. So firstly, make sure you know that that's never my enemy. There is an enemy. Make sure you communicate well, talk well. Thirdly, make sure you remember we are fighting together. Yeah, we're having conflict and we have a disagreement. We're not fighting each other. We're fighting together. We are. And the win is always together. The, the win is us walking together. The win is us fighting together. The win is us outworking that together. And as Tim said, how he thought he was marrying me. So uh, when I was thinking I was marrying Tim, my whole thought was um, my dad could fix anything. Dad, see a need, fill a need. But the fact is that he was a carpenter, so he could. But I thought all men just did that naturally. And so when I'm like, can you not see that over there? Like, why are you not doing something about that? Um, and I was actually really causing a lot of angst in my attitude. Because girls, who knows that we communicate so well with my facial expressions and with my tone. And it's just like we want them to pick up the hints. But you know what? Communication is best when, hey, sweetheart, this is broken. What do you think we can do to fix it? Don't just assume that not all men are the same. They are gifted specifically and uniquely, but not expecting all men to be the same and not comparing one man to another because I don't want them to do that to me. So it's probably just good to say, let's not do that bad. And the outcome to all of that is we. What do we want to do through that? We're fighting together. We're fighting our attitudes. We're fighting the spiritual realm around us. We're fighting the challenges of the world around us. We're fighting our financial difficulties together. We're, finding, we're, we're fighting the challenge of our community together. Yeah. We're, we're fighting the people that are giving us a hard time together. We're fighting the situations we face together. Second uh, childish attitude that we can bring into marriage is the attitude of, I want to get my way. I want to get my way. You know, uh, before marriage, 
most of us are just focused on ourselves. Uh, not many people uh, walk around in single life thinking, I'm going to focus totally on the person I marry in the future, so I'm going to develop myself and prepare myself well to go and marry somebody in the future. We don't think that. We just think, what am I doing today? What's going on in my world? What am I doing? Me, 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 me. That's how we think and that's how we outwork our lives. Listen, that works okay as a single person. That works terrible in a marriage relationship. I, I come to our marriage not deliberately wanting to get my own way, but just thinking I'm just going to keep doing my thing and I'm going to add to it this beautiful woman into my life and she's just going to do everything my way. And, and again, out of naivety and stupidity and childish thinking, uh, I came to marriage that way and things had to change. Uh, that worked for about five seconds and then we had to have conversations through that. Definitely. When I was 14 years old, I had a list that I took to God and said, God, this is my list that I want for my husband to be. And who knows a foot... Bald. That was <laughs> top of the list, obviously. Hair actually wasn't on the list at all. I must have needed to be more specific. See that, ladies? Get more detailed or you get this. <laughs> so my list, like my husband had to be these things, like this is what I wanted. It was so selfish. He had to be sporty, had to have muscles. So I'm like, God, you've been so good to me. Because like I said, hair didn't even come into it. So uh, yes, he definitely is still happening, baby. It's very good. Um, <laughs> um, but in a childish way, that's what I was thinking of all of these things that I wanted, that would suit me, that I thought was good. Um, and then as we got married... And him was sporty, which is what I prayed for, right? And he went surfing and would go to work roof tiling at the crack of dawn. Then he'd go play football and he'd come home at, what, 8, 9 o'clock at night. I'm like, hello. And he's like, hello. I'm like, I'm going to bed. I don't even know you. You have ignored me all day. What about me? You know? And I was praying one day and God's like, hey, Wendy, you need to grow up a bit. I'm like, I've got a list long of how he's not meeting my list of a husband. And he's like, Wendy, you just need to sew into him. I'm like, who knows that when you argue with God, it's not a good thing to do. So I was trying to keep my mouth shut. Anyway, God just said, I want you to give him his own day off. Like, don't give him a hard time. He loves fishing, now spear fishing. Let him have his own day off. Don't worry about when he leaves. Don't worry about when he gets back. That is his day. You will stop arguing if you stop nagging him about when are you coming home? Are you going out again? And anyway, I did that. And I saw the fruit of sowing into him. I saw the fruit of not being so selfish and thinking only about my own needs being met. But when God led me to do that, I saw the fruit of who he was becoming. He got a day off. There was less angst between us and frustration of um, headbutting each other. It was more care and empowerment to him to be who he wanted to be. But he needed that for me and he responded with that for me. And... It was just really great to know that it rejuvenated him and he was a happy husband to come home to. And, and listen, my response to that has to be, again, I just don't want to go and do all of my things. How do I respond to, to Wendy just changing her way of thinking, her way of believing in that? And it was something I needed to then respond and be a better husband, a better father, to spend time with the kids and the family more, to make sure my focus also shifted. When I come home rejuvenated, it's not, okay, now I'm going to go and rejuvenate myself again the next day. It's, okay, I come home rejuvenated now. I'm 100% sold on what we're doing as a family together. And I think both of those lead again to this, not 
I get it my way, but our way. Uh, I know people say to Wendy, why do you let Tim go and do all these things? Why do you let Because this is how we have decided we want to build our marriage yeah. and we want to work together in our way. And, and listen, that has also taken other people talking into our marriage. Well, that's true too. We've had different couples who yeah. are more homebodies and they're like, I don't even know how this relationship works for you and Tim. He'll go off fishing for a week at a time and you're home with the kids or you're doing whatever. I'm like... But you've got to know what works for you together. Yeah. It's not about what works for everyone else. you just got to communicate and know that it's not a selfish desire of what I want, my way. It's, okay, what will be beneficial for both of us wow. yeah. and then as a family? Yeah, and again, I, I think other couples, couples have come and said, what are you doing that way? <laughs> other couples have come and said, hey, listen, how can you build this together totally. well? You know, we had great couples uh, you know, Pastor Ross and Kath yeah. were huge. Pastor Stuart and Jane were massive to be able to just talk into our marriage and help us to think really well about how we wanted to do this yeah. together. And, and listen, I want to say that is an important thing, but be careful having too many people speaking into our way. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm grateful that parents have spoken into both sides. Uh, Wendy's parents have spoken into our marriage, but we're also not going to do it their way. Yeah. Uh, Wendy and I don't do marriage the way that her parents do marriage. Wendy and I don't do marriage the way that our parents did marriage all the way through my, my growing up, obviously, when it comes to the cooking, the cleaning, and the, all that side. We don't we do it that, that way. We do it our way. And listen, yeah. our way is right. Not right for you, but it's right for us. And, and listen, if it's biblical, and if it's godly, and if it's others-focused, and if it's not trying to win, not trying to, to do it my way, if, it, if it's making sure that we are doing this, it's okay. However you outwork your relationship. And, and please don't copy Wendy and I exactly. Uh, most of you don't like spearfishing, number one. And if you go out and do that once a week, you're probably going to drown. So don't copy us exactly. Find what works for you guys. And listen, it starts with a good conversation saying, yeah. what, what do we need? How do we build oneness better? How do we do this well? What, what do you need? Asking the question, Wendy, what do you need? Tim, what do you need so that we can do this together? And listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. When I get home, husbands and wives, if you're not real clear on this, get home and have a conversation. Talk about it. Make the conversation a powerful one, mature one, and not trying to win, but trying to win together. Number three, uh, this immature, childish way of thinking, when I come to marriage, I don't need to change. Listen, if you come to marriage with a thought that I am already perfected and my partner, my husband or my wife is the only one that needs to change, if you bring that to marriage, I promise you, your marriage will suck. <laughs> I promise you. And I promise you, if you hold on to it long term, your marriage will end. Because we all need to change. Uh, I, I know... Um, when, when we first got married. I, I, honestly, I, I came uh, to marriage thinking, again, Wendy said it before, that I'm never wrong. I genuinely, I, I'm a, if, if I'm sold on a thought and I think I'm right, it, is, it takes a lot to change my mind. Uh, I've had to learn over time to stop and, get, and think well through a thought and go, hey, my thought's wrong. I'm sorry I'm wrong. Uh, you can ask all my staff, you can ask my wife. I'm now the first person to stop and go, if I realize I'm wrong, I'm, hey, listen, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, that, that's a stupid thought. I need to change my thought. Listen, it takes a lot, and it needs to be a good argument. Uh, but to stop and go, I'm wrong. 
And, and I've had to do this in marriage. I've had to do this because I'm actually married, you may not know this, to a really intelligent, wonderful, gifted woman. And I am graced by God with the blessing of this woman right here that I'm married to. And I am grateful for the fact that she's been a part and our molding together has helped me so much to become a better leader, to become a better man, to become a better husband, a better father. Wendy has been instrumental in building my life. And it has come because of an attitude of saying, listen, I realize I do need to change. And change is so important to us outworking our life. Uh, Paul writes to the Ephesians church in Ephesians 4. He speaks powerfully about that need to change and to grow, to put off our old nature, putting on new nature and growing into that. And listen, it happens no place more powerful than in marriage, learning to change and, and to be knit together. So a couple of thoughts on needing to change. Sometimes it's not a matter of being wrong or right. Yeah, sure. It's about how we're going to outwork something. So a lot of the times we are on the same page or in agreement, but the way we would outwork it is so different that we actually argued about the outworking rather than the value, but we just were arguing in general. Anyone in their first five years of marriage would just think we just like to argue. Um, there was this one time over at Carindale, City Point Carindale used to be Brisbane Christian Arrow Centre, Pastor David's a pastor there. <laughs> we like, I am yelling at Tim from the front of the auditorium to him at the back of the auditorium, like, You know, like just the idiot of just trying to communicate about I don't need that to change. That was Wendy whispering too, by the way. <laughs> when she's angry, that's how she whispers. But it's kind of like, am I wrong? Do I need to change? It's more like how we need to outwork something together. So most of the time we're on the same page, but we're just like getting so frustrated about the outworking of it. Um, I was thinking along the lines of so many stories that spring to mind, but... Um, <laughs> All about her, obviously. Of course. Um, but how I'm needing to change, not need to change. So um, Tim's very quick-witted and very funny, and I'm a words person who was put down a lot of my life. So I'm not like being on the receiving end of sarcasm or funniness... And uh, it took us a little minute to work that out. So then I'm thinking, you need to change and stop being sarcastic to me because I'm going to kill you or leave you. Don't know in which order yet, but <laughs> it'll be one of the two. Um, and then, you know, he'd be like, you just need to change. You need to be not taking it so seriously and know that I'm only joking. And I'm like, either way, I'm going to kill you or leave you. So I, I wasn't really wanting to change too much. But trying to communicate through how we needed to change... I'm not saying you need to stop it. I'm saying, can you adjust the way you outwork your funniness and your personality? So change doesn't mean someone's wrong. It just means how can you work together to put away the childish, you just need to accept that I'm not being mean to you, though I'm taking it that way. And so the change come when I'm like, you can choose other people to be sarcastic with. Can you change the way you interact with me? And Tim's like, can you adjust and change the way that you know my heart? And if I slip up, give me grace to know that I'm not meaning it on purpose. So then I needed to change. I needed to mold and understand more of his heart. So change is so much greater than, than we think. It's on such a deeper level. And listen, my change in that was the understanding that, listen, if my words hurt her, my words can also build her. 
my words can also create her. My words can also make her the woman of God she was created to be. My words can also build joy and life and peace. And, and so, therefore, I learned why would I, why I changed. Why would I want to be sarcastic and funny? I can make all my other friends look like idiots by ripping them off. And I just speak life to this woman and I win. Like, I win both sides. You, listen, change is good. Change worked in this relationship. And I've learned over, life, over time, I just speak life. And I know the power of my words to Wendy. I know the power of what I say. And because of that, I always speak that life. And, and I think to add to that, when, when we went through times of challenge in, in even ministry or times of challenge in Wendy's own world, I'd speak life and say, girl, you're created for this. You were born for this. You are the greatest worship leader in, in, in the world. You are, you are anointed. You are, and I'd speak that life into her. And I'd watch her grow into this woman of God that she was created to be. And people were trying to pull her down, situations trying to pull her down. And I watched her push through because of my words and the power of them. Listen, that taught me then how I'd speak to my kids well. And I had to change that. My, my son, Josh, actually is very similar personality to Wendy in that outworking. And, and you know, when I, he's funny and make jokes, but I understand the power of my words to him. The girls, the daughters that have come into my life, the power of my words to them as young women as they grow. Listen, I, I learned to change bigger than just this and realized the power of it right across the board. And, and as we understand, she helped me to do that. She helped me to change. Her speaking to me helped me to become a bigger and better man in all that God had created me to, to be. And listen, that's what marriage is supposed to be. As we come together, we build each other. I build her, she builds me. And we together become more powerful and stronger as a couple. It's a powerful, powerful thing. I, I want to ask you in the room, what do you need to change for your marriage? Yeah. What do you need to change in your thinking around your marriage? M maybe, again, go home and have a good conversation. If you're married in the room, what do I need to change? Asking your husband or wife. Maybe it's something they've hidden in their thinking for five years because you've never asked the question. Ask that question, what do I need to change? If you're in the room and you're an unmarried person leading into your future, what are some of the things that I maybe need to change yeah. around my thinking and my believing and, and who I am? If you're a young man in the room and you have a belief system that your wife of the future is going to be your slave, straight and first and foremost, let me tell you, you need to change that. That's going to save you a hell of a lot of pain. And uh, think your way through that better and it will be great. Hey, the final, the final one uh, that we'd love to talk through for you, the childish way of thinking, is that way of thinking is I need just to make myself happy. I just want to make me happy. It's all about me, the selfishness. Uh, we, we, we looked uh, in Corinthians. Paul obviously said that's not love. Love's not made up in trying to just make me happy. Uh, I, I want to start by saying this. I, I don't genuinely think I came into marriage wanting to be selfish. I don't think I did. And I don't think anybody does. Uh, I had a conversation with one of my girls recently about selfishness versus being just self-absorbed. You know, we can be just self-absorbed and not realize we're selfish. And honestly, I went to marriage not thinking I want to hurt Wendy. I want to make Wendy's life suck. I want this marriage to stink. I never did that. My outworking made some of those things happen because I was just self-absorbed thinking about my own self. I was wanting to surf, wanting to go fishing, spearfishing, wanted to to play football, I wanted just to do life and attach a wife to that. I was just self-absorbed sometimes. 
it was the realisation that my wife was upset and happy with that way of walking that helped me to realise, ooh, I'm being really selfish right now. When she communicated that to me, as she said before, sometimes really loudly, uh, sometimes in front of lots of other people. You know, the end of that story is she went home. I went to my office downstairs because we were actually the youth pastors at Carindale at the time. And I went and sat in my office downstairs and one of the adults pastors come in and, hey, Tim, how's your marriage doing? I'm like, thumbs up. We just had an argument. All good. Go. Like two minutes later, another pastor comes in. Hey, how's your marriage going? Can we have a chat? I'm like, we're good. Thank you. We had an argument. Go. Next minute, like three pastors come in in a row. Hey, how's everything going? Uh, so that was the outcome of that conversation. But listen, that conversation helped me to realize, ooh, gee, I'm actually being selfish. Um, and sometimes we need to realize I've been so self-absorbed. If you're a young person in the room and you're just doing life, you get self-absorbed. And listen, if you're a young person that has come through trauma, you're naturally self-absorbed. And, and I don't mean to say that in a harsh way. I mean to say that you've just survived. And I know, listen, I know there's people in the room that have come through trauma. There's been trauma in your past, trauma through your past families. And it causes to be self-absorbed by just trying to survive. You're not saying, I hate everyone else. You're saying, I'm just trying to get through life. Maybe you've come as refugees and maybe you've had to fight your way through life. That self-absorbed nature becomes just a part of who we are. It's not selfish. I'm just trying to get through life. Uh, maybe you've come through past relationship hurts that cause that, again, I'm just trying to scrape my way through that. And listen, if that's you, I really encourage you in your prayer world, just to keep laying it before God. God, how, how do I not be self-absorbed? Because you bring it to marriage. Wendy helped me to realize I'm being selfish. Then I had a decision to make. Am I just being selfish? If I am, I need to change. I need to realize that I can't build her thinking about me, thinking about myself. I need to think about we, us, who we want to be and how we want to move forward. Definitely. And as I said before, the devil knows his plan. He knows our weaknesses specifically. And so what one person's weakness is, is not somebody else's. So trying to rip off our marriage in our weakness is that when childish way of thinking is you go into a relationship, yes, to make yourself happy, like, well, I like doing this, or I like doing that, or I like eating here, or I like doing, so you're just going to do what I want, right? And you're like, oh, it's up to you. You make a choice. But no, I don't want that. Let's go here instead. Girls, we just do that now. Um, and we give them a list of three options that we like and they get to choose one. Just um, but the longer you've been married, boys, you learn how to like what we like. So it's all good. <laughs> Indian food. No, 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 no. We'll do that for you. But point is... Um, when we mature and God's like, come on, I need you to continue to grow, continue to prefer the other person. So when my whole focus is sowing into Tim, I'm looking at his personality, I'm looking at his gifts, I'm looking at his love languages. Even if they're not mine, when I go out of my way to research them, when I go out of my way to ask God, what can I do that will bless him, speak well of him? He is not a words person where I am, so I would say all these words and he'd like, don't patronize me. I'm like... Or get stuff then. I don't really. <laughs> so then I'm like, I had to learn other ways to encourage him and draw the best out of him. And, and you know, when you're trying, trying, and it's not working and you want to give up, 
So what happens is you start to then come back to yourself and go, I just need to make myself happy because can't make him happy. He's not making me happy. So then we get back in our own rut of making ourselves happy. But what happens is through trauma, sure, we might have walls, but sometimes just through that interaction that gets colder and colder and the devil's making sure that the wedge gets deeper and deeper is that we actually can start to starve the love language in the other person because we're starting to self-contain and put walls up and just get about my business. We become roommates instead of marriage partners. And so that's the devil's plan to make sure that we just start making ourselves happy. That then opens the door. No one wakes up and goes, you know what, today I'm going to have an affair. I'm going to commit adultery. I'm going to go do all these things. It's the wedge that gets deeper and deeper. We start looking or the devil starts to tempt us in that way. And so no matter where we've been at, we've had great times in our marriage, 26 years. It's a long time to have some ups and downs. But when we come back to, I made a commitment. We're not going to throw the word divorce around ever again. I'm committed. We're just going to make this work. Whether we're like, it was just a little thing to fix or you know what, this is irreparable. I'm trying to fix. You just face this direction and go, come on, Holy Spirit, ask me, uh, tell me, how can I sow into this man? Regardless of what I thought I was going to get back, I sowed because that's the kind of person I wanted to be, the kind of wife I wanted to be for the rest of my life. And when we both can be doing that at the same time, I tell you what, we can be so fulfilled in ourselves because we're being sown into by the other person constantly. Getting it right, getting it wrong, that's not what it's about. It's about having the posture of sowing in, affair-proofing your marriage, and not just even the negative side, but having a great, fruitful marriage, sowing into one another. You get so fulfilled yourself. And and Wendy's sowing into me caused dramatic change to how I sow back into her. And again, I said at the start, it's about oneness. It's about the molding together. We learn, she learned what, I loved and what's sewn into me and what helped build me. And I learned what helped build her. Obviously, when he gets home from fishing, he's like, come look at my fish. Uh Uh-huh. Let me come and get the camera. (laughs) I will come and look at your fish. Wow. Look at that red one. (laughs) The red one. People ask me what fish we're eating for dinner. I'm like, uh. Tasty one. (laughs) One from the ocean. took an interest yeah and, and <laughs> I take it wasn't past tense I take an interest yeah and and it changed it changed my heart and my interest in her world he took me to see Van with the opera can you believe Tim <laughs> there's only a couple of years ago and we've been married 26 years but it's better late than never ouch. oh my gosh ouch and I still feel the pain of being I told you when I've got the mic Tell the truth and shame the devil. <laughs> we also went and saw an opera woman in New York. Second row, looking up there. Oh, it was powerful. There we go. Twice. <laughs> powerful, powerful. <laughs> Listen, learning how to do that well for each other. All of this is about how do we win? How do we win? Listen, we're not fighting each other. We're fighting together. How, how do we do It's not about making me happy. It's about making us happy. And when we do that, we win. I, again, I look 26 years later and, and, we, and we can laugh. Like we do. We laugh like, oh my gosh, like we're so dumb, so childish. We weren't laughing at the time. <laughs> no, we weren't. We weren't. Uh, but we do now. We laugh so dumb, so childish. And we both make the statement, why do we waste those years fighting? 
Why do we waste those years making life difficult? Why do we waste those early years? And, and now, uh, you know, we look at the togetherness of marriage and the joy that it brings to us. And listen, the joy that brings to people all around us. Uh, our marriage brings joy to, to kids across this community. Our marriage brings joy into church world and, and into people all around us. And this is the power of us. When you understand the, the role of marriage, the, the outworking of marriage was the two becoming one. Uh, you know, if you're in this room and you're married, make sure that we put away some childish things. If marriage is getting tough, listen, if marriage is getting tough and you're not sure how to move forward, stop and let somebody walk with you. I'm grateful for the awesome leaders we have in this house. We have great leaders. Pastor Steve and Lydia have walked yeah. with, with dozens and dozens of families in this room. And, and some of you in this room are, are recipients of, of their great wisdom. Wendy and I obviously have walked with many people. Uh, you know, I look across this room. There's other wonderful leaders. And some of them are here like, please don't say my name because I don't want to be talking to everybody else. Uh, Deborah Mayo. Uh, don't want to be doing that. There's so many great Great. All the leaders you see in this room, building their marriages, building their lives for that. And I encourage you, stop and say, hey, help. If you need help, ask for it. Let someone walk with you. Let someone stand with you and believe with you. Can we stand our feet as we close today? Wendy and I are going to pray over the marriages. Wendy's going to pray because she's so passionate about that right now. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, as you've been a part of this whole conversation, we thank you. Holy Spirit, you are in this place. Yeah. We welcome you into our thinking, into our heart, into our emotions, into our spirit. Yeah. And Father, single, married, divorced, widow, Lord, yeah, wow. every single one of us, yeah. we pray in surrender. We pray in earnest. We seek you for your best for our lives. We seek you for your wisdom in how we can grow and develop. God, when we said we choose you as in our lives, in our heart, we want to represent you, God, but you give us the greatest blessing by allowing us to continue to change and develop and mold to be more like you and who you've called us to be. So Father God, as we as individuals surrender, God, we can bring every part of ourselves into relationships, into our friendships, into our workplaces, into marriage, Father God, into every area of our lives. Father, healthy, healthy hearts, healthy thinking, healthy spirits in Jesus' name. Father, we just expose the enemy's lie over any individual or any marriage that this is not worth it. Any lie that has tried to say it's too hard, it's too late, I will never be married. I will never marry again. That is a lie of the enemy. Father, as we surrender and we plead the blood of Jesus over every mind and over every heart, Lord, we just thank you right now for your blood, hedge of protection. Lord, and your truth, your truth to pour out, pour out right now. And Father, we thank you for marriages. God, that you have called us to stand here at City Point West. Marriages might have been the greatest disappointment, but Father God, here at City Point West, we surrender and lift up your name and say, Father God, we thank you for your wisdom and your godly direction. Lord Jesus, that we would stand and make a difference in this church and in this community. Lord God, you have called us to not just be blessed ourselves, God, but to reach out to others around us. Be that voice of encouragement. Have you flow through us in Jesus' name. A word in season, a word of encouragement, prophetic word, Lord Jesus. 
for every one of us. We are called and we are anointed as individuals, but then to bring that together in Jesus' name. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.